Part Two, Chapter Two of Anna Karenina by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Nathan Haskell Doyle. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne Spiegel. Shortly after the doctor went, Dolly came. She knew that the consultation was to take place that day, and though she was as yet scarcely able to go out, having had a little daughter toward the end of the winter, and although she had many trials and cares of her own. She left her nursing baby and one of the little girls who was ailing, and came to learn what Kitty's fate should be. Well, how is it? She said as she came into the drawing room with her hat on. You are all happy. Then all is well. They endeavored to tell her what the doctor had said, but it seemed that although the doctor had spoken very fluently and lengthily, no one was able to tell what he had said. The only interesting point was the decision in regard to the journey abroad. Dolly sighed involuntarily. Her sister, her best friend, was going away, and life for her was not joyous. Her relations with Stepan Arkadyevitch, since the reconciliation, had become humiliating. The union brought about by Anna had not been of long duration, and the family concord had broken down in the same place. There was nothing definite, but Stepan Arkadyevitch was scarcely ever at home. There was scarcely ever any money in the house. And suspicions of his unfaithfulness constantly tormented Dolly, but she kept driving them away in terror of the unhappiness which jealousy caused her. The first explosion of jealousy, having been lived down, could not indeed be experienced again, and even the discovery of his unfaithfulness could not have such an effect on her as it had the first time. Such a discovery now would only break up the family, and she preferred to shut her eyes to his deception. Despising him and above all herself because of this weakness. Moreover, the cares of a numerous family constantly annoyed her. First, the nursing of her baby was unsatisfactory. Then the nurse went off, and now one of the children was ill. And how are the children? Asked the princess. Ah, maman, we have so many tribulations. Lily is ill in bed, and I am afraid it is the scarlatina. I came out now to see how you were. For there'll be no getting out for me after this, if it is the scarlatina, which God forbid. The old prince also, after the doctor's departure, came out from his library, presented his cheek to Dolly, exchanged a few words with her, and then turned to his wife. What decision have you come to? Shall you go? Well, and what are you going to do with me? I think, Alexander, that you had better stay at home. Just as you please, Mammon. Why doesn't Papa come with us? Said Kitty. It would be gayer for him and for us. The old prince got up and smoothed Kitty's hair with his hand. She raised her head and, with an effort, smiled as she looked at him. It always seemed to her that he understood her better than any one else in the family, though he did not say much. She was the youngest and therefore her father's favorite daughter, and it seemed to her that his love made him clairvoyant. When she saw his kind blue eyes steadily fixed on her, it seemed to her that he read her very soul and saw all the evil that was working there. She blushed and bent toward him, expecting a kiss, but he only pulled her hair, saying, "These stupid chignons! One never gets down to the real daughter, but you caress the hair of departed females." Well, Dolinka, turning to his eldest daughter, what is that trump of yours doing? Nothing, Papa," said Dolly. Perceiving that her father referred to her husband, he is always away from home, and I scarcely ever see him. 
she could not refrain from adding with an ironical smile. Has he not gone yet to the country to sell his wood? No, he is always putting it off. Truly, said the old prince, is he taking after me? I hear you, he said in reply to his wife, and sitting down. And as for you, Katya, he said, addressing his youngest daughter, do you know what you ought to do? Sometime, some fine morning, wake up and say, There, I am perfectly well and happy, Papa, and we must go for our early morning walk in the cold, huh? What her father said seemed very simple, but at his words Kitty felt confused and disconcerted, like a convicted criminal. Yes, he knows all, he understands all, and these words mean that I ought to overcome my humiliation, however great it has been. She could not summon up the courage to reply. She began to say something, but suddenly burst into tears and ran from the room. "'Just like your tricks,' said the princess to her husband angrily. "'You always—' and she began one of her tirades. The prince listened for some time to her reproaches, and made no reply, but his face kept growing darker and darker. "'She is so sensitive, poor little thing, so sensitive—' and you don't understand how she suffers at the slightest allusion to the cause of her suffering. Ah, how mistaken we are in people, said the princess. And by the change in the inflection of her voice, Dolly and the prince perceived that she had reference to Vronsky. I don't understand why there are not any laws to punish such vile, such ignoble men. Ah, do hear her, said the prince with a frown, getting up from his chair and evidently anxious to make his escape, but halting on the threshold. There are laws, Matushka, and if you force me to this, I will tell you who is to blame in all this trouble. You, you alone. There are laws against such young fops, and there always will be. And if things had not been as they ought never to have been, old man that I am, I should have put that dandy on the fence. Yes, and now to cure her, you bring in these quacks, the prince would have had still more to say, but as soon as the princess heard his tone she immediately became humble and repentant, as always happened when important questions came up. "'Alexander, Alexander,' she murmured, going up to him and weeping. The prince held his peace when he saw her tears. He went to meet her. "'Well, let it go, let it go. I know that it is hard for you also. What is to be done? There is no great harm.' God is merciful. Thank you, said he, not knowing what he said, and replying to the princess's damp kiss which he felt on his hand. Then the prince left the room. As soon as Kitty, weeping, had left the room, Dolly, with her maternal domestic instinct, perceived that this was an affair which required a woman's management, and she was preparing to follow her. She took her hat, and morally tucking up her sleeves, prepared to act. But when her mother began to attack her father, she tried to restrain her, as far as her filial respect allowed. When the prince's outburst occurred, she said nothing. She was ashamed for her mother, and she felt a deep affection because of the instant return of his good nature. But when he went out, she determined to do the chief thing that was necessary, to go to Kitty and calm her. "'I have long wanted to tell you, Maman. Did you know that when Levin was here the last time, he intended to offer himself to Kitty?' he told Steva. "'What is that? I do not understand.' "'Then perhaps Kitty refused him. Didn't she tell you?' "'No, she did not say anything to me about either of them. She is too proud. But I know that all of this comes from—' "'Yes. But think, 
If she refused Levin, I know that she would not have done so if it had not been for the other one, and then he deceived her so abominably. It was terrible to the princess to think how blameworthy she had been toward her daughter, and she grew angry. Ach, I do not know anything about it. Nowadays every girl wants to live as she pleases, and not to say anything to her mother, and so it comes that— Maman, I am going to see her. Go, I will not prevent you, said her mother. End of chapter 2